to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. This LSD trip of a season gets even more stupid. Um, Not that I would know what an LSD trip feels like, mom and dad, just as a disclaimer. Um... (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, there's a song by Elvis Presley or UB40, whichever version you prefer, that goes a little bit something like this. And join in at home or wherever you are listening to this, if you know the words. Obviously not if you're at a funeral or in a library, don't join in. But if you're in a place where you can join in, because this is how I'm feeling about the Seahawks. And it goes a little bit something like this, Josh and Pez. Wise men say... Only fools rush in. No, please. Please stop. Oh, God. We've lost all our listenership already. With you. That phone screen's cracked. Your phone screen's cracked. It was that good. We're going to get copyrighted for that because it sounded so much like it. The whole pod, well, me and Pez, we'd like to apologise for James. That was awful. Tragic. Yeah, uncultured. Yeah. You, you never heard good music. <laughs> you never heard good music. Used to be a DJ, mate. I've heard plenty, but there is always song better than that. Well, UB40 is not really on the on the DJ mix list, is it? So it should be. It should be. Red, red, wine. Anyway, right, here he goes. Yes, yeah, right, I know, mate. David, can, well, can you tell we're all podcast lads? I know <laughs> we're all a bit giddy. Well, I'm a bit giddy anyway because we're four and three. We've got the Giants coming up this week. It's the only game in the NFL that two winning teams are playing each other. Could you believe that that would be the the Seahawks and the Giants coming into week, whatever we're in now, week eight? Um, so 37 to 23 at SoFi Stadium against the Chargers with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, all Austin Eckler, all these guys. We've just gone in there and beaten the Chargers 37 to 20. Like, what, what is going on? What this season's mental, and I love it. And I, I just, I, I haven't stopped smiling since the end of that game. I, I just, I'm in la la land, and I don't want it to come down. Positive, Pez. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. good. Except for my internet not working, so I might be in and out. But other than that, yeah, that game was fun. Was alright, wasn't it? Exciting. Even when it was 17-14, I was on, on my sofa watching it, and I was just like. I'm not even worried. 
the the way the defense was showing because essentially it was the offensive mistakes, but the way the defense it it reminded me of a game where it's I just I just knew it in my head. I was just like the Chargers aren't getting back in this. Mm. Like in our Discord, everyone was like, "Oh, here we go." They're coming back. This is it. We're going to get Trouts, Herberts, this, Herberts, that. People just need to realise that Justin Herbert should have been sat for the rest of the season because he's that injured. Mm. He is in severe pain. I, I said, was it on the last pod I said it? Did I say it to you two in the chat? I think it was the last pod where I said that if the defence turns up like it did against the Cardinals, we'll beat him because Justin Herbert doesn't want to know. He really yeah, he doesn't want to know. I think it was and on this podcast, yeah. You're right. It was last, last week, the, wasn't it? Yeah, and amazing. But I've kind of already started the pod without even introducing Josh. Well, we can. <laughs> How we do? Let's introduce him. How are you doing, I Josh? I got carried away. I got carried I'm, away. I'm, I'm brilliant, lads. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm child-free for the first time, and I don't know when. Nice. Um. So I haven't got us try and speak in hushed tones. Um. Which is good because I'm so excited to talk about this game. I might get a little bit loud, a little bit larry. I've got my customary my beers on the go as well, so. You know, drinking on a school night, especially for the pod. Let's is it, do it. Is it, for medic- is it for medicinal reasons this week, or is it just purely recreational this week? You be purely for joy. Oh, is I'm, it? I'm, I'm drinking for fun because Good. I haven't got to be woken up at five thirty in the morning. Um, although I may have to wake up early anyway. It's got a big business meeting, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Let's get on with the pod. Doesn't matter. We had a big business meeting last week, and we took care of it in LA. Have you got a stat for us about winning in LA, Pez? By the way. Yes, if I um, I had a look, and as far as I'm aware, I'm right, but I've not heard anyone else say it, so I may have missed the game. But as far as I'm aware, since Pete Carroll has been in charge of the Seahawks, except for the preseason before people start looking and coming at me, when a, a game that means something, we have never won in LA in Pete Carroll's reign. Now, really? In so far, we've never won. Oh, it's so far. Now, so far is only about two years old. No, no, but LA, LA, oh. we've never won. We never won in the Pete and Russ era, and I've always been like, I wonder which one is the bad egg. Well, we saw Russ go I... to LA, mm-hmm. and then we saw us go to LA. So we kind of know who's jinxed in LA, and it clearly isn't us. I, so I think I think far... the season's showing in who's the bad egg. So far, isn't it? He's looking mm. like a bit of an egg, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> right, let's not get onto a run. Let's not let's. No, because the, the alarm will get <laughs> He's not here anymore. Yeah. He's dead. Let's leave him. Let's leave him to rot. Yeah. Let's leave him to rot in hell. Um, but anyway, back onto us, because that's what matters. Yeah. So, as far as I'm aware, anyone who's listening who wants to double check that, I am pretty sure and adamant. That definitely so far we've never won, but I'm pretty sure in the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson era, we've never won an early. There you go. Never. There you go. There was a, who would have thought it would have been this season led by Geno Smith? That that would that curse would be broken. Unbelievable. Um, so of course we're going to oh, talk about the aforementioned Smith. and Geno Smith. We've got to talk about him every single week. Yeah. This this guy, man. Ooh. Um, Gino. We're going to start with Gino. We'll, we'll get to Ken Walker, Marquis Goodwin. Then we'll get to the defense, the defensive line again, the corners. Ryan Neal, absolutely balling. Um, 
then we'll pose the question, can we actually win the NFC West now as a 4-3 team, beating the Chargers at LA? I can't believe I'm asking this question on the podcast, but here we go. And then we'll get to some of your questions. And, of course, positive pairs to round off the podcast. Um, should we start with the main man? But before we start, I've just got some general stats for the listeners to get excited for. Oh, go on, the then. Pod, we love this one. Gush fest. So... The Seahawks are fifth in the NFL in scoring. That's second in the NFC, averaging 26.1 points per game. I hope I've got these in a good order or else it won't flow as nice as I thought. The Seahawks offense scored 17 scored 17 and zero points in their first two games, 8.5 points per game. They have scored 143 in the five games since an average of 28.5 points per game. Right. The Seahawks are, are the highest scoring team in the NFL over the last five weeks of the season, even better than Kansas City, who just scored 44 on the weekend against the 49ers. What was just the icing on the cake for this weekend? The Seahawks, and this one, interestingly, this one kind of blew my mind a little bit for how this offense has been. The Seahawks are fourth in the NFL in third down efficiency at 45.6% conversion rate. They're also tied second in the NFL in yards per play at 6.3, the same as Kansas City. Buffalo are only ahead of them by 0.3. Right. So if you want to really get carried away with yourself and you're looking at because there is fans out there who want to look Super Bowl-wise, we're keeping it with two of the powerhouses if you want to get carried away with yourself. We are. And then... And those two powerhouses are in the AFC. Uh, do you know what? Fuck it. These aren't, these aren't offensive, but these were these were just great stats as well. The Seahawks sacked Justin Herbert three times a season high by a Chargers offence. The Seahawks held Justin Herbert to a 26.8 QBR, which is the lowest of the year and the lowest in his last 16 games. So basically, Pez, Seahawks have forced two turnovers in five straight games. In fact, it's two turnovers in every game but one this season. Quick, so, someone someone put the court back on the bottle. Put the genie back in. You, Pez is going off now. There's far too many stats, Pez. He needs to go have a, a lie down. All you, have a lie down. All you Pete Carroll lovers... <laughs> who love his me- methodology of running the football. The Seahawks have rushed 736 yards in the last four weeks. That's 184 yards per game. And you know why? And we're going to get onto him, and it's going to be exciting. And we're going to get fucking hyper loud and excitable. And I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave I, it I, there I, I think Pez, I, I'm not sure, but I think Pez has come down with a rare condition of statolitis. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> because... He's just spewing them out all over the place here. Um, I think what he's trying to say is Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks are pretty good this season. Um, Geno Smith, right, let's start with the main man. Just another game, another example of Geno Smith, for me, showing that other side to his game that we talked about last week of that mental strength, that mental fortitude. Again, faced adversity in this game, that early interception. Was it his fault? Perhaps not. You know, a bit of... Bit on locket, bit underthrown. Good play by the uh, by the Chargers defensive backs as well. Um, so I don't even put that play completely on Gino. But of course, it goes on his stat line. So it's an early interception. Um, you know, pretty pretty close game for a little while. Obviously, it's in LA. As Pez has talked about that curse. Um, 
and he, and, he, and he made the players again when he needed to. Big players, big moments in the game. You know, Tyler Lockett after that after that questionable Austin Blythe false start penalty um, on that third down and long, getting it into Tyler Lockett. Just just key throws like that, key plays in the in you know facing the blitz, which has been something of a of a problem for Geno his entire career throwing against the blitz. Um, he, he's just showing that again all this work, all this time is. He, he, I, I think it was Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show that I was watching today made an interesting point about I think Geno Smith would probably be offended if he wouldn't come back player of the year because in his eyes he hasn't come back from anything don't call it a comeback yeah don't call it a comeback been here for he, years he's, he's been here for years he's been ready <laughs> and now he's just getting his shot like what has he come back he hasn't been injured he hasn't you know nothing like that he's just he's just now getting his chance to shine and yet again the man takes his chance with and, and he's shining again and we're four and three and so much of that is down to Gino. Um, Josh, I, I, I'm running out of ways and, and I, I don't want to be repetitive on this podcast, but I, for as long as Gino Smith continues to play like this, I don't know how else to start this podcast. So please tell me, please talk to me about Gino Smith again. I, I, I don't even know what to say about this guy at this point. I'd, I'd, I'd just like to, to vent some frustration. I know we'll never listen to this podcast. But Colin Cowherd was talking about his tiers of NFL QBs. There's tier one, and then there's tier two, and then there's all the rest. Now, I looked at all of those in tier two and thought, 80% of you are not playing as good as Gino. Even in tier one, Gino, stat-wise, was running with that crew. And... I think that just goes to show the mainstream media and critics still haven't got the head around the fact that he he's doing really well. There's still that stigma that Geno Smith is Geno Smith. Geno's gone to Geno. Geno is a different Geno to what he was when he was starting years ago. And I was guilty of saying he wouldn't make it. But now I, I am a Geno truther. I'm a believer now because... Every game I'm, I'm coming into this waiting for him to have a, a, a characteristic cock-up. Mm. But he doesn't. I mean, what he, he didn't throw for, was it 200 and, what was it? 210 yards is what he threw for. Mm-hmm. Now, that by no means are they MVP world-beating yardage at all. They're not, they're not, it's not there. It's not like a 400-yard game, but... When you look at his completion percentage or his completions, he completed 20 out of 27 throws. Two against, touchdowns. Against that Chargers defense as well. I mean... Yeah. It's a, it, it, he's, he's just come in and I think he's just re-evaluated. I mean, what his passer rating uh, or QB rating was 105.5. Q, QBR was 59.7. But he's come in, he's re-evaluated who he is as a player and what he needs to do to succeed. And that's what good players do. They don't just rest on the laurels and go, this is the player I am and this is the player I'll always be. He's come in, gone, I need to be what Pete wants. I need to be a possession quarterback who doesn't make silly throws, although there's what that one to know I find is triple coverage made my bum squeak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's just been the picture of consistency and efficiency. The drives he's putting together, the throws he's putting together, the... The heart he's showing, and that was evident when he he argued with the ref, mm. and Pete had to do his little calm it down, yeah. and yeah. Gino just 
calmed it down, channeled all the anger into that that drive, and then hit Lockett for that first down. Brilliant. You know, it, it, I, I can't can't say anything more. He's just been he's he's blown me away this season, and I never anticipated in my years of following the NFL saying I am blown away by Geno Smith. Pez, are you blown away by Geno Smith again? I mean, have you got any more words to add on this guy? Because I, I, I don't even know, man. Uh, no, not really. He's doing... He just... Yeah. <laughs> 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 about him. It's just week in, week out. It's, do you know what it is now? It's almost like you're waiting to see a game go against him. Yeah. You, you are. You just, you're waiting to see when the chips are down. Like, you, you wait, you're almost like now, like, Right, let's see what he's let. Let's put another challenge in front of him. Like, let's see what Aaron Donald can do to him. Yeah. But on kind of a side note, you got um, someone put it on Twitter, and I thought, do you know what? This guy doesn't get enough love. That and um, Andy Dickerson, mm-hmm. because what he when he he took over the uh, old line coaching, um, I think he officially got given it in the off season, but he started doing it at the back end of last year. And yeah. that's when Penny started breaking all his big runs. And Scolari didn't we? Yeah. And but we got rid of Scolari in the off season, didn't we? Because mm. what this guy, he was a beat reporter, and he was saying like the thing what people may not realise is Andy Dickerson was basically doing what he's doing now at the end of last season, like Pete was already getting him to integrate and mm. Cross and Abe were his guys who he wanted. He wanted them to, and they went and got them. And look how good they are. Like on a side note, because I can't really say much more about Geno Smith. I, I just He's love put- how they're how they're scheming this offense around. Like they're making it so simple for him. Like the tight end usage. I can't remember if it was on the NFL coverage like broadcast, but I, I heard it mentioned somewhere this week that and, and a reminder that Shane Waldron was a tight ends coach before in LA. And it's quite clear that he knows how to get tight, end, tight ends involved in an offense because, like I said uh, uh, earlier on this pod, I think Will Disley's been arguably the most beneficial recipient of, of this Geno Smith play because he looks like the, the the Will Disley that we gave that big, I think, was it two-year, $16 million contract yeah. to that we all... Eight, eight million a year, yeah. Yeah, that we all turned our noses up at the start of free agency. That looks like a great deal now because he's so involved in the offense. I mean... Corby Parkinson, again, finally, he's having a breakout year that we've been predicting on this podcast for two years, and finally it's happening. Um, no fan, I mean, I, you can see he's a good player. I think he, whether he's just learning his, and feeling his way around the, the playbook a bit, I don't know, but it, it, he's getting the least amount of big players and, and usage out of the tight ends, but he's still there making players. Um, I, I, I just, so, so really, shout out to Shane Waldron as well, as much to, to Geno Smith, because this is the best, set of games that I've seen offensively play called by a Seattle team in, in quite a long time. So shout out to Shane Waldron, um, because I think he's he's played a big part in, in how Geno Smith is looking as well. Um, if we've got no further uh, words on Geno, have you got some, Pez? you got a stat. Has he got, a, got stat? a stat? He's got a yeah, stat. Got a stat. This is from, of course you have all this stats. This is from our <laughs> listeners. This is from one of our listeners who, after my angry Geno excites me to eat, he gave me a little stat what I thought has to be has to give him a shout out. I'm gonna butcher his name here. Do you want me to say it? Because I said it last week. Yes, go on, yes. Josh. <laughs> so Lady Ohamati. Yeah. And he said this is not just another season for Gino. The boy is on a revenge mission 
Seattle plays, the Chargers, who he used to play for. Mm-hmm. But all these three teams, Gino wants to play for and was told he's not good enough. The Chargers, he's beat them. The Giants next week, question mark. The Jets at week 17, question mark. And that game is going to mean so much to him. Yeah. Because they drafted him, they essentially, because then they drafted him and then they brought that Sanchez in, didn't they? Basically oh, saying, oh, but for you know, you, Mark Sanchez. You're not, yeah, you're not good enough. But yep. you listen to that broadcast, mate, and that Mark Sanchez is like Gino's biggest fan. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, I've been, I've been, I'm the only one who's been telling everyone ever since I've tra- trained with him at the Jets that he is worth like the draft capital he got worth, which got drafted at. He's just not showing what he's showing on the training field for some whatever reason. He said, but everything you see now is what I saw in Gino all them years ago, which just took him. But for me, it's what I said on a couple of pods ago with him. He, comparing to our football, and he is like that midfielder who hits the prime at around 30, mm. like the late 20s, early 30s mark. And that's the best years of their career. Mm-hmm. And that's just seems what Gino's doing. It's took him all this time and say say what we want about Russ and about the all ongoings about it. He you can see in his play he picked some things up from Russ, but yeah. you're also seeing what a quarterback of good stature can do with them skills. Um what's great and in the day would you, would, and I'm still not apologizing you... to him. <laughs> Unapologetic. Put me wrong, Gino. Uh, Win me a Super Bowl. Would Would you say that um, Gino is the Mark Noble of the uh, the NFL, a man who's a cult <laughs> hero think... for one team and really started to blossom towards the end of his career? He's yeah. Mark Noble. Yeah. For, for, any, for any of you, any of you folks that don't know, who Mark Noble is he is a West Ham legend. Um, I'm not even a West Ham fan, but even I'll say that. But yeah, anyway, there you go. Gino Smith, Mark Noble of the NFL. Do you know who's about to be a Seahawks legend? Ken Walker. Hey. This kid? I'll tell you what, Pez, because I, I have to start with you on Ken because I know you just won't be able to contain yourself, you little school child. Um, my God, running backs don't matter, do they? What a waste of a pick. What an awful pick. Why would you? Why would we do this? I mean, oh, uh, this kid, that, that touchdown run, how he got vertical that quick, by going that far round, like he, he went so wide and so long to go to to go that quick. What was it? Twenty two mile an hour? I think he was clocked at. I mean, twenty two point oh eight oh nine. Like oh, the this, fastest this season or the, the fastest rusher this season. These rookies, man. But Ken Walker. I mean, what was it? One hundred and sixty eight yard game rushing. Yeah, one hundred and sixty eight yards. One hundred eighty four. Wasn't it? Was it one hundred sixty eight? 168 I've got on 23 carries. Yeah, 7.3 average, two touchdowns. Um, Pez, please feel free again for your... I have my weekly gush fest on Tariq Woolen. Might not be as gushy this week because he didn't get an interception, but you can have your one on Ken Walker, mate, because this you know lad what? is special. Before we start on Ken, I think you've got a lot of gushing to do over Woolen because do you know what? Take a... Just a quick one on this. While we didn't get a pick, he didn't do any special plays. But do you know what he proved to me this game? What I had a little question mark in my head is, can he actually do what a quarterback, a cornerback needs to do mm. to sustain that coverage? 
that's locking it down and I'll add into what you're going to talk about, man, but I was very impressed by that, man. Not as impressed as fucking my boy. Like, Jenny Walker. I am on the mission. Hang, hang on, wasn't Jordan Brooks your... Jordan Brooks is my boy. No, no, Jordan Brooks is my boy, but he's, he's a vet now. He knows the love I've got for him. Like, Jordan <laughs> Brooks is up here. He's God to you. Ken is nearly level to him. I can have two up there. I can have two. Colby. Colby's just underneath him. Colby's underneath him. It's going to be a tripod up there in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) The original thruple. But but honestly, man, honestly, that touchdown run was the icing on the cake. And I swear to fucking high heaven, if he makes one mistake... And Pete pulls him out for a significant drive. Like, sorry, DJ Dallas. I am really sorry. You did some great runs. Still love you too. But he makes one mistake and then you don't see him again for too many drives. Mm-hmm. If Pete does that again, I'm going to nick my brother's air miles, fly to Seattle and slap him across the face with a wet cod. <laughs> because I am sick of it. He keeps doing it and I want him to stop it. It, it might happen. It could happen. But look what happens. Look how great he is. And do you know what, Josh? We said about he's going to be the best rookie running back. And unfortunately, Brees all went down because them two, Brees had an advantage. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Damian Pierce is there. I'm not disregarding Damian Pierce. Oh, Damian Pierce is a level below. I'm sorry. It, it was always these two at the top. Yeah. So these two coming out of the draft, it's always going to be these two, right? And it's unfortunate, Brees, but he had a head start. But I, I do not give a shit what anyone says. The way Ken is producing at this moment in time, he is an unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. It's been three games now I've seen defenders try and take him down and they bounce off him. Mm. Do you know what? This is the first game I actually saw a defender hit him backwards. And I was shocked by that. Because I just thought he was an un- indestructible machine, but no, I'm joking. All, all jokes aside, but it it blows my freaking mind. Like, How was he that he quick do? and that powerful? Like that one way, like hopped Have through the legs? offensive line as well. Oh, that that was beautiful. I've, I've mentioned his footwork. That I'll sorry, Pez. You can have this back in a sec. But that that one where the first touchdown where he cut and the little hop that he made through the line to get through was that that was just his footwork is on point. He is a coach's wet dream to have that that natural footwork like that. It's hard, it's hard to coach into someone, but when you've just got it and it's just a natural reaction, beautiful. Do you know what the best thing about it is? Do you know the best thing he did in that game? Like something I appreciate. I loved it. Loved every second of it. It was none of his runs, not his touchdown run. It beats all that. It's the fact that, we said it in the last pod, he comes across very polite and very pleasant, mm. very rookie-ish, very like, oh, hi, guys. Hi, I'm just here to play. Oh. And then Khalil Mack comes over, one of the most scariest yeah. Oh, yeah. linebackers. And he goes, nah, do you know what? I'm sick of you guys probably talking shy to me, pushing me over, trying to rough me up. What I'm going to do, I'm going to grab your face mask. I'm going to wrap you around like a doll. <laughs> and I'm going to show you <laughs> And I'm going to go toe-to-toe with you. And I was just like, he's either going to get his head taken off now 
or they're going to kind of like step back a little bit because he's always been nicey nice right I've been knocked down I've done this but I noticed the Chargers defenders were getting him down and they were like chirping him they were probably you know tackling him and staying on him a bit too long you know trying to drain that weight out and Khalil Mack must have done something to him because I've not seen him switch that before and he was lit he was fuming I was like that is the best part of this game and That's again, hard. again, he didn't let it get to his head, didn't affect his performance. And if anything, off the because as a rookie, what is he, 22? Uh, Khalil Mack doing that to you, you're getting hot-headed. You, that might get to your head. That might spoil your performance. With with Ken, he, he was even better after that yeah. after that incident. Didn't let it get to him. Said, you know what, I am going to show you guys. I'm going to show you vets. I'm here. I'm going to be here for a long time. You're going to have to put up with tackling me because I, I, I'm, I'm better than you and I'm going to run through you. And uh, I love this kid, man. Awesome pick. Do you know? Do you know what's going to be interesting this next week is uh, Saquon versus Ken. And I'm not great, but like so we were just talking. Sorry about Brees versus Ken, and mm. I got too carried away with myself from the point I was going to go on to. Do you know with him? I think by the bye week, so I'm giving him three more games. Mm. I think by the end of the bye week, like by the time we go into the bye week, he's going to be talked about as not just the best rookie running back, but I'm calling that he's going to be talked about in like the top six running backs in the league. Because no, name name who can touch him. The only way people can get to him is if this old line breaks apart. Mm. But the one thing they've looked really solid in is the run game. Like mm-hmm. there's been a couple of plays that have broken down and he's been thingy, but that's bound to happen in the NFL. Look at Saquon Barkley against the Jags. He was a no-go on the ground. So I'm not asked about them. All I, I just I don't know what defense stops him. I genuinely don't know what defense would stop him. The only defense I can see that could stop him is someone like the Bills. Mm. I just I. Just, I mean, it's so I, hard to stop. I mean, those, those cut, I don't care who you are. I mean, a cut like that from Ken Walker, it it, it it's scientifically impossible. You mm. can't do it to, to stop him at at certain times. Um, he, he has that I kind of cut move that. Sorry, but he, he, he kind of has that cut move. Like Penny, Penny can show that little cut, but I think Ken takes it to another level. Um, go on, Pez. Sorry, um, one thing that scares me about him a little bit is, do you know? Because he's so he, he's a Saquon Barkley. He, he is a Saquon Barkley. He's dancing. Think of Saquon Barkley in his rookie year, dancing, 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 always looking at going to the house. Mm. He looks like a thick set of guy, like his legs are fucking, his base is so solid. I just get concerned. You know what I mean? I just, it worries me, you know, with injuries and things like that. Yeah. Because uh, it, it kind of concerns me, but that's just from previous history, mm. you know, kind of concerns, but he's, in, he's indestructible. Isn't he? so, oh, just just like, enjoy him so long as he's healthy. Just enjoy this kid because I, I can't so, wait to watch him every week. Got some stats for you. As he always Couldn't does. leave my boy. Couldn't leave my boy without some stats. Satellites. Rocky Ken Walker is the only player in the NFL with two plus runs over 60 yards this season. Um, these ones are a bit all over the place, but the 265 yards by Ken Walker is the most by any Seahawks rookie running back in the first two starts. Kurt Warner was the previous high with 2-2-1 in 1983. 
The Seahawks lead the NFL at 5.5 yards per rush. Ken Walker's last three games, 52 rushes, 353 yards and four touchdowns. So if anyone didn't hear that, that was in three games. We talked about how fast he ran. And then let me find this one. What I saw. Here we are. Rushing yards in weeks six and seven. There's four people. There's Ken Walker at 265 yards. There's Kenneth Walker at 200 yards after contact. Then there's Travis Etienne at 200 yards and Saquon Barker at 193. Kid is special. Um, before we leave the offense, there's another guy that I want to talk about and, and I think deserves a mention, especially this week. Um, I'm pretty happy, again, because if you've listened to our Hot Takes pod, I called about this guy's involvement. I said this guy would be wide receiver three in the slot. Um, Marquise Goodwin, the guy, he's not a fancy name. He's bounced around the league. Obviously, as we touched about in that Hot Takes pod, had a few personal problems as well, family issues that he's gone through. But I tell you what, this guy, as Pete Carroll raved about all offseason, all training camp, he's still so explosive. You can see it. He's, he's track speed. He's, he was a former US athlete, Olympic athlete. And what I love about him is every time his number is called, he makes the play. He's one of those players that I know if I'm in a certain situation, I call number 11, Marquise Goodwin, we need you on this play. He goes in, he makes the play every time. And those two touchdown catches, great, both great throws by Gino, but... The, 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 and as well, shout out to the celebrations because I, lo- I loved both the celebrations as well, Marquis Goodwin. You, you, we all we all love a Seahawks celebration. We've we've got quite good at them in recent years, and Marquis Goodwin has added his name into that list as well. Um, but I just think he deserves a shout. He's played well all season. Um, I think he's about sixty-seven yards receiving. Yeah, sixty-seven yards receiving led our receivers uh, against the Chargers um, quite comfortably as well. The next highest was Tyler Lockett and Will Disley, both on 45. Marquis there in, on 67 on just four receptions, a 16.8 average um, and, and the two touchdowns. I mean, the guy, like like I just said, I, I just love players who you can just, just, just lean on, depend upon. When his number's called, he'll go and make a play and shout out Marquis Goodwin because those, those two touchdown catches were so important, so big. And, um, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I think shout out to Eskridge as well because I think his blocking was excellent again against the Chargers. Tried to get him involved uh, again in the passing game, didn't really work out. Um, but the, the apart, kid, apart the, from that one, like was it OPI, wasn't it? Yeah, it was OPI, play. and he got banged up as well with that hit that looked a little bit scary at the time. Thankfully, he's all right from that. Yeah. Um, especially with someone like Eskridge, we don't like to see him taking hits to the head. Um, but. Even even though he does, even though he knows he's banged up, I, I love his effort on the players. He's not afraid to go and block. He, he puts his body in harm's way, um, and, and you've got to respect a kid like that as well. So, um, Any words on Marquis Goodwin on, on his play? I think it was brilliant. I mean, we, we were... You said in pre-season in the Hot Takes episode, he'll be wide receiver three. I was sceptical because um, I, I thought they'd use D. Eskridge a bit more, but I think D just doesn't seem to have the, the concentration that a, a vet like Goodwin has. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I've just been looking at Goodwin's stats over the, the past few years. So, he's never... Right, so his, his biggest year for receptions was 2017 with Sam Fran, with 56. Off uh, 105 targets, 900 odd yards, 962 yards. Um, scored two touchdowns. His biggest year for touchdowns was 2018 with Sam Fram with four touchdowns receiving. 
he's already got 146 yards of 15 receptions and two touchdowns for us this season. There you go. Now, if that is not a viable third like wide receiver three, I don't know what is. He he impressed me so much. The separation, I felt really bad for JC Jackson because it was just a matter of he planted his foot the complete wrong way. And that just blew out his knee. I, I was chatting to some Americans, um, some well, hopefully American listeners or, or other podcast hosts after the game on the Twitter space. And I, I, I will rant and rave about these pitches or fields, as they're called yeah. in the US, these hybrid or what we call 3G over here. That they're, they're awful. Mm-hmm. They are they're injury makers. They're career enders. Just you look at the amount of injuries that happen in this game. Mm-hmm. DK going out with you know with JC Jackson and mm-hmm. everyone else it just it it's sickening but then again it allows for really quick receivers to get some really quick releases and when you've got someone like Marquise Goodwin who I think was he was triple jump or long jump wasn't he yeah yeah um that that's that short burst speed straight mm-hmm. off he's going to get a separation and that's exactly what I did with Jackson Jackson, it was one of those when he fell down. I thought he's just gone the he's done the oh no, if I fall down and pretend to be injured, that that will make up for the fact that I've completely blown this coverage and he's got past me. But no, he's he's genuinely injured. But he the fact that the two two TDs, one right in the corner of the end zone where he had to turn and catch, and then the other where he had to high point that ball. And he's only what is about five nine, five yeah, ten. He's, he's sub six foot. Yeah. And for him to jump that high to catch that ball and come down with it. Amazing. It, it, I, I was really, really impressed. I, I can't take it away from him. He he was my surprise of this game. I didn't expect him to get as many targets or mm. make as big an impact as he did. I thought after that first TD that was going to be him. But no, he just kept coming. Fantastic. Really, really happy with that. Yeah, he, he's not as he's not as tall as, as as David Moore, but you know what? He reminds me of David Moore when mm. when, it, when when he, he was with the Seahawks. Again, not heavily included in the offense, but whenever we sort of called on David Moore. He, he made a play and and it and, and Marcus Goodwin is doing the same in this offense. Um so yeah, any any further words on the offense before we uh before we move to the defensive side of the ball? Can we come just say the, the O line again. Yeah. Pez said it earlier. Annie Dickens had a massive hand. I mean there were there were two occasions where I thought the O line really let Gino down and that was one where the left side of the pocket just completely collapsed on Gino. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere he could go because he was looking on his. He was on his reeds to the right of the field, so the left left side just buckled all the way around him on his back. Mm-hmm. And then when Jake Kerhan came in, I think he was not ready to play guard, and he just got absolutely mullered, yeah. um, and just sort of just run past. Um, if if I'm right, I think he was spun past. Um, apart from that, the O line just they just continue to deliver. These 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 tackles. Yeah, I, every game I get closer and closer to buying a player jersey, and it's going to be Abe Lucas. But with that being said, I had a conversation with someone over Twitter, and forgive me, I can't remember their name, but they were talking about Austin Blythe, and that he's a mediocre centre. He's proven it again. Rah, rah, rah. Now, we as Seahawks fans have been through some shockingly shit centres. Yes. In the last few years. Ethan Posich. Carl Fuller. Um, Carl, God, Carl Fuller. 
Um, and who was before them? It was Justin uh, Britt who was all Justin, right. Justin he was the Britt last as well. good one, I think, really, yeah, pretty much. He was all right. Yeah. But, like, I, I think Blythe's come in and he has solidified that O-line. But he's not a world beat. He's not the best in the league by any means, but he's an upgrade. And having that veteran presence when you've got people like Delu, who let's not forget is still quite young. Mm-hmm. You've got Phil Haynes, who isn't a full-time starter. Jake Kerhan after that one real issue, mm. you know, it started to solidify. The, the, the tackles look brilliant. I'd, I'd like to say just a, a big high five there to Austin Blythe. Fair play to you, sir. And, and fuck the haters. Any further words on the um, offense, Pez? I, I've got to agree with uh, Josh there. Great point to bring up because I forgot about it, but do you know what Austin Blythe brings? He brings leadership mm-hmm. and solidarity to that line. Might not be the best. Might not be might not be the best centre in the league. He might not be, like you said, the world beater. But for anyone who's like don't know who he is or what he does, go and watch his mic up from the Cardinals game. Yeah. Go and watch his mic up and just see how involved he is. Because he might not be a captain, but by far one of the most vocal leaders on 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 that offense. He he really is. He knows everything. He's on the sideline, he's talking deep like he's mic'd up, he's talking defense, he's spotting like like obviously being an offensive guy, he's spotting what like the offense is doing and he's shouting over on the field like, oh such and such, and then he's in the offense, he's like, oh look here, him there, that there, that there. He he, I honestly think he makes Gino's life a lot more easy than we realize. Yeah, he it, really does. You can see he in the line of scrimmage that they have quite so a good relationship, much. don't they, Gino and Austin? But you can see they're always talking yeah. to each other. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I think it, it's going a little bit underappreciated. In the mic up as well, um, I'm sure he goes over to Gino because obviously the offence wasn't that good. He went over to Gino and I swear he just uh, said to him, right, come on, Gino. When he's calmed down, get balanced again. Essentially, just like being a true centre, like your quarterback and centre should be like. Like, look at Brady now, he doesn't have his centre. He's absolutely rat-ass, like the bottom's falling out of him. Look at Gino, who clearly has got a great relationship with his centre who buys in. So yeah. what this club and what Gino's trying to do, mm-hmm. they said it for all itself. He might not be a world beater, like Josh said, but you got to look outside the box sometimes. you got to look outside of just the player and what the man brings to the team because he clearly gives Gino confidence. Think mm-hmm. about it. How many times have we said Gino's like a statue in the pocket? He stays in there too long, doesn't um, realise the pressure coming on him. Yeah. It's because I think he's genuinely got that much confidence in his general in front of him to command that whole line that he can stay in that pocket for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great shout, that Josh. Great shout. Love yeah, good shout. shout. Good shout. Um, Thank you. This Friday, before we get to the defence, this Friday we've got a brand new segment coming up on the We Talk Seahawks podcast, um, courtesy of the brainchild of Josh suggesting this, so well done, Josh. <laughs> um, it's called We Talk uh, Mr. 12. Mr. Social Media himself. 
Mr. Social Media himself. Yeah, v- Vice the Social President. Media Dictator. Yes, there you are. Um, it's called We <laughs> yeah. Talk to Twelve. He's, he's a tyrant, guys. By the way, we're smiling because we're scared he might uh, shout us now we're on video. Yes, I'm shaking as as I'm as I'm as I'm going over my phone screen in my notes. My hands shaking. Did I get this right? Why do you think? Um, why do you think I'm bodying my head so much? You know, everything Josh says. <laughs> mm. Yes. Yes. Not a side effect of satellites, is it? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> It's called We Talk to Twelves. Uh, basically, the MO of it is that we want to hear from you, the fans of the best, the, the best fans in the in in the NFL. Um, we want to hear from you. Um, it's a dedicated show to you, where you can have your platform and your say on your team. Uh, our very first episode is with the the absolute legend that is Captain Seahawk. I'm sure you, if you, if if the name isn't familiar, his headwear will certainly be familiar to you. Um, he's picked up on about every Seahawks game by the cameras, especially the home games. So you will have seen him. Um, and and Josh got the opportunity to sit down with him for about half an hour. Uh, and and talk about his upbringing and 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 all good stuff, all of all the sort of intricacies of what goes into making his headwear and and just really really interesting stuff. Um, so we're going to play a little preview of that um, and and in, in anticipation of it coming out on Friday. So I hope you're looking forward to it and I hope you're going to give it a listen because it is really worth your time. It started on a, in Canada we call it First Nations or in America it's called Native American Reservation. And it's really interesting when, when people first ask me, like, where are you from? You know, and, you know, we've been in the same location for about 20,000 years. So my I was born and raised on a reservation. I had to leave. I didn't know why. I said, I, I'm not going to die here. And I left and I became an airline pilot. I went to an aviation college. And in 1985, when I was hired by United Airlines, uh, I was a a DC-10 flight engineer and this captain says, hey, do you want to go to a Seahawk game? This is in 1985. I'm like, I've never been to one. And some professors at Burke Museum did research on the logo and lo and behold, the headdress came from my Native American tribe, the Kwakwaka wow. on Vancouver Island. Full, in full Captain Seahawk yes. gear yeah, to fight someone in LA. Yeah. I, I was giving them out. Like the first one I gave to Pete Carroll that's sitting in his office. Marshawn Lynch has one. It's sitting in, in his uh, in his dining room. I gave that to him after the uh, the Green Bay game. And as always, I'm going to do a little shout out for Mr. Brett Davin in the Take 12 podcast. Um, they're running a fantastic package, a VIP package to Germany uh, for, the, for the Bucks game in, in November. They've just updated their prices on their package, brand new prices, just over about £1,000 for, for, for UK fans. Um, it's a fantastic package. If you if you can get on it, please do. Um, it's massively inclusive. After parties with with active and, and NFL players on on bye weeks, you get to hang out with Seahawks players, Seahawks legends like Lawford Tupu and KJ Wright. And get breakfast with them as well. You get breakfast with them. It, it's just a fantastic package that you won't find anywhere else. We've been shouting it out for a while on this podcast, um, and 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 we really do think you should go and get on it. Um, because it's, it is going to be an experience of a lifetime if you can afford it. Just tell them where to go. So you can either go on 12s in Munich um, or loaferingermany.com. Uh, it's also available through Eventbrite. Uh, if you've got an account with them, feel free, go on that way. Um, but for, for what you get, it's the... So from what I know, and Brett and Lofer, I apologise if I miss anything out. It's breakfast with Lofer and the players. It's then a coach trip to the game. It's then the game itself. 
after the game, you then get a coach trip um, to the VIP after party, which I believe is hosted by the German Seahawkers. Um, there's also a goodie bag with a lanyard, T-shirt, and plenty of other stuff in there. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, especially as, as tickets are currently over a thousand pounds by themselves anyway. So yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say to get the cheapest category ticket and most resale, they're like near on nine hundred pounds. But Pez, if they go to if, if they do get on it and use code We Talk Twelve, they'll also get twelve percent off. So it won't even be two hundred quid more. It'll probably be around about that nine hundred quid mark. So for the, for the price of a resale ticket. You can you can get this entire package for practically the same cost with with our discount code. So I mean, if if you fancy it, that's why you're the gaffer. That's why I'm the gaffer. I'm not the dictator. I'm yeah, the gaffer. You're the, man, you're the man with it. Why why am I a dictator? I, 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 I didn't start that. That's Pez. Pez shaped potato. A dictator. Um, yeah. It's a bit feisty in this <laughs> Right. Let's get to the defense. Let's get to the defense. Come on. Uh, because we're going to start with the defensive line. As we always do, we work our way back. These guys on the defensive line in the trenches shout out. We've been waiting and calling on them. Last two weeks, they've absolutely stepped up. All of them have. Um, Daryl Taylor again. Puna Ford. Puna Ford, most improved player the last two weeks. He's been yep. excellent. Batting down every other Justin Herbert pass this week. I can't remember how many it was, but it was at least two or three that I think they battered uh, down. Shelby Harris got one as well. Shelby Harris got one. Let, let's go through the sack numbers as well. So Daryl Taylor got one sack. Quinton Jefferson got one sack. Big Al Woods got one sack. And that's all I'm getting for the defensive line. DT um, was a strip sack, wasn't it? It was a strip sack as well. That yep. so more. fortunately to him. And yet he still couldn't outpace Justin I Herbert. I didn't think he all, was that slow. I didn't, be, yeah, I didn't realize not, he was that slow. All, all they had to do, if, if you rewatch it, right, he he pulls the ball into his chest with both hands so tight, like I am not going to fumble this. If he put it in one arm, this way you can tell he's not a receiver or someone on the offense, put it in the opposite arm and actually stiff armed Herbert, then mm. he could have gone for six. But fair play, he made the really intelligent play of not risking it, just tucking it, running, and then taking the contact when he had to, which was, you know, can't take that away from him. DT, he's getting up there. I, I said he was my one to watch this season, and he's starting to prove it. Yeah, man, I, I, like I say, this defensive line, I don't know what it is. I think it potentially being asked to do a little bit less and just get back to basics and, and, and play normal football and not overcomplicating it. But something, something, whatever it is, something has clicked with those guys in the trenches and, and they're just playing lights out football at the minute. Um, anything, anything further to add on the defensive line from either of you? Big Al Woods. Big Al Woods. Big Al Woods. He's, he's just, you would not think he's what, is he 36 now? Something like that, yeah. It's, it's not something you'd think. Like he, he plays that position like he is a sophomore you know, he's, he's been in the league for a year, possibly two. He, he knows the ropes. He's, he's up to speed now. But he is just the, in my opinion, of that front that, that front three in the defence, he is the energiser. He's the one who make, puts all the pressure on. The, the one play where he just grabbed Justin Herbert with mm. one massive meaty paw and just yoinked him back. It was like, nope, and pulled him back. That was uh, peak Al Woods. Beautiful, beautiful play. Again, I, I know Richard and Nwosu didn't get a sack, yeah. but he played really well this week. Again, Boye Mafe continues to impress. Pez, any, any words on this defensive line? Um, no, you kind of hit all all the 
main guys, really. I think. Um, what the did main... you make of uh, of Bruce Irving coming back? What from what you saw of him? I know it wasn't much that we saw, but he was out there for a few players. Veteran um, presence now, isn't he? he D, DT came out and said great, the same thing. Great flag on the um, on the whole. I think. Um, he was getting held, but I think again, veteran present. I think he played it so well because there was another time when Shelby Harris could have could, literally didn't need to play the hold. It's like I think they got off a good chunk yard uh, play with that, but literally the guy had his arm around his neck mm. and wasn't letting him go for any life and money. And I was just like, refs. What are you doing? How is that not a hold? He's literally choking the guy out to stop him getting to Justin Herbert because he beat his guy. And the only thing he can do is use his big tree trunk arm and choke the guy out to stop him. If that's not a flag, I've Sh- Shelby Harris in a headlock. Not a great place okay, to be. Again, again. Do you know what, actually? Talk about the defensive line. Shelby Harris again showing up. Yeah. Shelby Harris again showing his presence. And do you know what it is? Josh called him out, clearly listens to our podcast because he's an educated fella. So so he probably heard and he went, I'm going to fucking show this ex-rugby player, Josh. What's the crap? <laughs> I'm going to just get, get down and dirty. But no, I think it's just, um, I think it's acclimation. I think it, you can see now, um, we talked about in our group where they're not, they're not the D-line's not being told to do too much. What was it? Someone um, did one of you put it in, or was it my brother? Where pre before these last couple of weeks, the the D line was like being told to instead of do single gap, they were told to do multiple. So mm-hmm. it's like a gap and a half or something, some system. Whereas now they're just told to like essentially seek and destroy, and mm-hmm. they've got a, they clearly got a D line of seek and destroy, and clearly Clint hurt. Don't forget, he's the DC, and we spoke about him being the D-line coach. He's a D-line man. Clearly loves to seek and destroy the defensive line because this line in two games turnaround has got so much better. Yeah. And again, you're talking about a D-line, what we've been so accustomed to for so many years. You're starting to see the ferocity and look at look at Daryl Taylor. Mm-hmm. Bring Daryl Taylor into it. Look at look, two games, look how much he's improving. Yep. That that strip play was almost identical to the other week. Yeah, that's going to be. I think by the end of the year, he's going to be back up there, recognised as one of the better D linemen, and that's going to be his signature move. What quarterbacks when they sense DT on their shoulder, they're going to tuck that ball up and take a sack over having that out in the open because it's it was so mirroring. It. It's like Kobe's got his peanut peanuts. <laughs> uh, Kobe's got his beating up punch. Wollen's just a freak. And DT's got his strip. Wait, he times it so perfectly. Yeah. As soon as the ball's in the most vulnerable position, he's just there like, thank you. I'm going to throw up something interesting to you here because as we're talking about, and rightly so, we're raving about the performance of this defensive line. And as we say on this podcast at times, it's, a, it's an indicator of how bad the defensive line is if a linebacker is leading the team in tackles. Jordan Brooks this week led the team in tackles again. Seven tackles, one assist. Um, is it a case of just Jordan just Brooks being very good at tackling? Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a monster. That's all he is. He's just, he's, 
the guy is a monster. I don't give a shit. I've said it last year, I say it this year. He might not get them all. No one's perfect. No one gets them all. Not the best, not the greatest get them all. But he is, and has been since he's come in, our best open field tackle. Hmm. Our best open field tackle. Like, he, he, he missed the what? I think did he miss one on Keon Allen or Eckler against it? But that was it, wasn't yeah. it? That was the up, only up one. At the, up at the line, yeah. yeah. Up, up, um, it was just on the line, and he was the first man to. And it was just simple as Eckler got out in space, as as his stats showed, he didn't do anything with the ball in his hands. He had to get all the dump offs. But Eckler is a dangerous football player when he has them little dump offs, and he's got a bit of time to get a bit that little bit of leverage. To then wiggle, yeah. like that's that's his just that's his beauty. At the end of the day, you're taking a picture of me again in the worst possible point. <laughs> it does it yeah. every time. I'm I'm doing it for the social media. I can't help it that you don't smile. Oh, this what happens when you're oh, a social like, media dictator, mate. All you do is just take really <laughs> shit pictures of your mates. It's like a school photo. Smiles. There, there, there you go. School photo. <laughs> yeah, James looks like a chipmunk, but Ches looks because uh, when I'm talking, Pez, I get Pez so like passionate and I'm <laughs> With this, with well, this that's what my wife tells yeah. me all the time when she makes something <laughs> next to me. She goes, you're going to, is your name Ted Bundy? Have you got it changed or what? Wow. <clears throat> Brilliant. Fantastic. How have we got to Ted Bundy? Who's Cordy Barton. No um, Can't even really complain about him this week. Didn't really do anything. Didn't do anything impressive from what I remember, but didn't, didn't, didn't do anything of note. Didn't do anything of note, did, but in that, in that same sense, he didn't play badly, I don't think, did he? Do you know what the thing is? He must not have played badly because I didn't see him or hear his name. That's what I mean, yeah. He, he was just... And I was surprised. He got, he was on the field like 47%. Mm-hmm. He was, on the, he was on the field for 47% of the time, but the telling point is Kobe Bryant was on the field nearly 100% of that game. Yeah. And I, we're going to get on to him, so I'm not going to end up like switching it up. But doesn't it tell? Yeah. I think it's it's doesn't just one of those tell. Cody Barton, as much as we've we've dissed him for a while, um, and we said this as well, he he needs his role completely stripping back to the bare bones of shoot that gap. Rotation. Do this one job. Yeah. That that's literally all he needs. And that's all he's been getting. So it seems like this is where we we can hold our heads a bit high in the fact that we realised this and we showed it as well as the, as those those Brits who people don't think know football. You can tell the type of player he is by how confused he's been getting with the the multitude of tasks and looks that he has to give at that inside linebacker spot. When it's just a matter of go in there, pin your ears back, hit the the A or, you know, maybe not the B gap, but like hit, hit one of the gaps and then just go after the quarterback or disrupt the tight ends, anything like that, then he does a good job. Just don't overload him. And this is where I think, and Pez has, Pez has hit the nail on the head this with, with uh, Kobe Bryant. He's a very cerebral player. He's intelligent. He improves. You can have Kobe oh, on the field for longer being just as effective because he can read the game better and he's an intelligent young man. And I think the Seahawks have finally figured it out. I think Lofa said by game seven, we would have figured it out. Mm. Well, lads, we're Looks here. Like we have. We're here. <laughs> and uh, and we figured it out. Should we get to these corners? We're on them. Um, 
Uh, I'll leave it to you guys. Oh, there's there's no point uh, me interjecting here. You two are going to gush. So, who who wants to start, Pez? Do you want to start with your boy, or, or should we go with with my boy? Do you, do you do you want to leave Willen to the end, or do you want to just get Kobe out of the way? You get Kobe out of the way. Oh, that was the exact same thing, Pez. Willen at the end will get Kobe out of the way. It means Kobe goes first, regardless. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I want to give James his proper. I want to put myself on mute, sit back, drink my Fanta Zero, and just listen to James. Literally, so, just topped up my beer. I've really just topped up my vape. I'm gonna press mute, sit back, and just watch James, and then yourself gush, and then I'll come in and do my social media sponsorship bing bit, and then yeah, crack on. Fantastic! You can put your feet up for this part of the pod, don't you? Um, I, I, what what you're saying to me, Pez, is I can start. So I'll start with Tariq Woolen. Um, not his not his best game. I'm oh, sorry, I forgot his intro. Tariq Woolen, Tariq Woolen, Tariq Woolen. Um, not Tariq his best Wollen, game. Tariq Woolen, Tariq Woolen. That looked a bit dodgy on your webcam. Um, oh, you're supposed to do. All oh, right, that was an Inuit. Lovely, fantastic. You can stop now. Um, Tariq Woolen. I mean, shocking performance this week, wasn't it? He didn't get an interception. I mean, come on, what's he playing at? Um, no, in all seriousness. Um, not his not his best performance yet, um, but at the standards he's set, I mean, it, it's going to take a, a monster performance to beat some of his performances already, which could be coming to two interceptions for Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah, we, we, we bookmarked that, so that might overtake it. Um, but again, just excellent. Again, as Pez alluded to at the start of the podcast, showed other sides to his game other than just being a ball hawk, picking the ball off. Excellent coverage all game. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have a look at some of the Chargers receiving stats. I know Keenan Allen was banged up during the game and, and coming into the game, so he wasn't fully healthy. But, I mean, Mike Williams, 86 yards before before he got off injured. Gerald Everett, Keenan Allen, 11 yards. I mean, Austin Eckler was their leading receiving yardage with 96 yards. Um, so it, it's just excellent coverage against excellent NFL players. Um just, I, he's just unbelievable. He's, I, I can't. It's, it's like, it's like Geno Smith. I'm just running out of things to say at this point about him that I haven't already said without being repetitive. And the man just gets me up and excited, and he saves me from buying a blue pill every week and popping a blue. That's all there is to be said. And the, the, as again, the amount of money that I'm spending on underwear, the amount of underwear that I'm going through next must please, love me. Please stop. Just, just stop. No, no, you said stop. I could have this bit. Next must love me because the amount of, I mean, well, Santa's going to be delivering nothing but underwear sets during my down my chimney this year because I'm in need of them already. Um, I mean, it, it's it's just unbelievable, this kid. No, nothing special on the stats this week, but the man, the, the man is just an absolute monster. Um, should we get to Kobe Bryant? Please, for the love of God, please, you know, He's not going to be any better. <laughs> he's not going to talk do, about do you know dirty what, his draws, mate. You don't know. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. No. Um, do you know what? You disrespected Tariq. What wasn't his wasn't his best game? It wasn't. It was. You think he that was his best his game? Side down. Why, he locked his side down. Interception. He he locked his side down. Yeah, he did. He did have he... an interception. So what? He had one in his hand, James. He did, but he he's, bounced he's been, off his hand. He's this, been locking his side down all season, he, though. Hasn't he? Right. No, not like this. Not like today. All right. Okay. Not not like today. Not where it was evident. Herbert tried him. Mm. 
Herbert tried him multiple times, and so when I say lockdown in the in the last couple of games, in some of the games, it's been like he's used his speed to catch up with a receiver who's done him. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think that's what Jordan Brooks alluded to, where he's just going off talent mm. because he's getting beat on his route, but because he's so freaking quick, like he's there before the ball is there. Mm. But this game, he was sticky. He was like he, he he was. We all we love the comparison to Richard Sherman. He was like Richard Sherman in coverage. He was sticky. I, that's what I wanted to see out of him. There's going to become a time when you become up against like a DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams, who can burn you like a Doug, Bold- like Doug Baldwin-esque player who can put you on a string and use your advantages as your disadvantages. Mm. But like Tariq Warren getting burnt on a route, using his speed to try and catch up, and then they toe in the ground turn, and then he's still running because he's going so fast to catch up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right, Pez, do you want to talk about your man, Kobe Bryant? I've had my little gush fest over Tariq. Do you want to get onto onto Kobe? Yeah, mate. Um, I thought he had a solid performance. Um, that interception, man, I, I said it in the in my positive section that I felt that it's coming. And if Nawosu, like our star on the D-line, what was it? Did he jump too early? If he didn't do that, man. But do you know what's exciting? is Tariq, Tariq and Kobe's like chemistry they're getting together, like they're both talk about it, like yeah, saying over the weeks they've got closer, they're doing things out out of the facility together, they're hanging around like just generally as mates and they're starting to understand and like get to know how each other work. And the tip drill, man. If anyone's getting excited over comparing this to the Legion of Boom and stuff, the tip drill's there. Tariq's like Nah, nah, Kobe, you know, mate. I, I did try and actually intercept that, but technically, I, I was trying to give you one as well. Because, <laughs> let's face it, if he could have got it for himself, he was getting it, but we'll take the tip drill and get excited and get carried away with it. But mm. I think Kobe had a solid game. I think yeah. I, I think I spotted a couple of um, a couple of things on coverage where he got a bit lost. Him and Maffey were in like no man's land, mm. and there was a uh, there was a receiver just wide open on the line. I got an easy catch, and them two were in no man's land. And I can only imagine as Kobe being the secondary nickel, it should have been his guy who was tracking because he came from one side of the field to the other. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sure Kobe should have probably tracked him because I'm not expecting Maffey to start tracking fucking receivers from one side to the other. Mm. Uh, but other than that. I can't remember much he put wrong. He his solid tackle TFL as well. Don't forget his tackle for loss. That was like a six-yard oh, yeah. tackle for loss. That yeah. that was amazing. Oh yeah, just shot shot through. Jesus, I need to one minute. So I just need a moment to shower myself. As if I forgot that. <laughs> as if I forgot that. Fucking... No, yeah, I, 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 I say I thought he was excellent as well. Um, another player I thought was absolutely excellent and deserves a big shout out. Ryan Neal. Uh, four passes defended, seven tackles, one interception. Apparently, he was also incredibly ill before the game. According to Pete Carroll, apparently, yeah. he was needing intravenous fluids to even get to the game and make the game. And you wouldn't have thought it because the guy, for me, that was his best performance in a Seahawks uniform. It's pretty it concerning it? as well, isn't it? Like, uh, how ill were you? Oh, I need an IV for fluids. Okay, it's not like I, ne- I needed like a, a Dioralite or a, 
you know, a bloody uh, a Lucas yeah. aid, and I was fine. But even after all that, Ryan <laughs> Neal was the had the third best PFF grade of any player in the NFL this week. Not just defensive, mm-hmm. any player in the NFL. I mean, it, and he was is that his coverage downfield was excellent. I can't was it towards Keenan Allen where he batted it away in the end zone yeah. on on the coverage. I mean, like we said on this podcast, you especially, Josh, that Ryan Neal is an excellent player. And again, for my money, that was his best performance in the Seahawks uniform. I don't know what you thought, Josh. Single-handedly won me my Seahawks fantasy team there you uh, go. matchup this week with 30-odd points. That he, he was just, and I've said this for a long time, he, he is a great player. He's very unfortunate in the fact that he's behind Jamal Adams in the pecking order. When you've paid that much money for Jamal, you, you're not going to bench him. You know, you, you unless you're moving to linebacker, just, just saying. We've we've banged this drum mm-hmm. for long enough. I know I have. Um, it's we need to keep Ryan Neal there as a rotate a heavy rotational piece. Mm-hmm. But I think when his deal comes up, then there are going to be people that be looking at his performance and going, "We need a starting strong safety," and he will yeah. jump at the chance. And regardless of where he goes with his big playability and his. I think just his general mindset, he will make an impact. I hope it doesn't happen because I'd love to see Ryan Neal stay with us because I think he just brings so much to this squad every time he plays, every single yeah. time. Um, but yeah, really impressed by him this week. Really impressed. I personally think that this game showed how much Ryan Neal's improved mm. um, in coverage. I think he was our best player. I think coverage, anything, like shooting through gap, like he, this game, he was the standout by far on that defense for me. He was doing yeah. everything. Coverage. What was it in the corner of the end zone where he broke it up? Like the Ryan Neal of yeah, yeah. one, two, two years ago, he he's letting that go. He's letting that go and he's well beat, like easy touchdown for the team. Everyone's like, oh, fucking Ryan Neal's not good in coverage. Yeah. But honestly, this season, man, he's, like, like I've said in the past, he's, <clears throat> would you like to say, like on talent wise or step or name value, he's a poor man's Jamal Adams. But I will take a poor man's Jamal Adams every single week, playing the way he's playing at the moment, because the four pass breakups by Ryan Neal against the Chargers, four pass breakups, coverage, four pass breakups. So this, like you know, people saying that he's not good in pass coverage. Yeah, you don't get four pass breakups if you're not that good in pass coverage, like, or you've not improved your pass coverage skills, mm. was the second most in a single game this season. Only second to Darius Slay with five against Minnesota in week two. So he had seven tackles, one interception, and four pass break, uh, pass break up, pass defense. And I'd, I just think if he can, if he can just do half of three quarters of what he did in that game for the rest of the season, then you're looking at him and, like Josh rightly said, you're looking at him and going, ooh, shit, we're not keeping hold of him. Mm-hmm. Because if he carries on the way he's going, they better pay him this season or else mm-hmm. he'll be out of here. He'll be long gone. Yeah, and, like, and we talked about it on this podcast as well, about potentially needing a safety in the draft. Could always re-sign Ryan Neal and he might be. He might not need to target the safety. It's just a thought. And you know what? Um, He's such a down-to-earth fellow, like, listening to him talk and his interviews and stuff and, like, his story. He was going to quit football. He's got, like, a side hustle before football. 
uh, well, during football because he just thought he was never going to make it. He had his backup plans. Then the Seahawks came along. He got his lucky chance, undrafted lucky chance, because when Jamal first went down and started mm. making a name for himself. And then next minute, he's like getting money and he's getting yeah. paid and he's getting the attention and things like that. So even if you try and resign him, I don't think he'd even be greedy. I just think he's, he's happy playing football, you know, because he because of where he was mm. to where he is now. I genuinely think he'd be the type of fellow who would sign a club-friendly deal because he just wants to win football and he wants to play football. That's how he comes across on the field to me. He's like a, like I always say, like a dog. He's like the, the definition of what people call a dog on the field. Yeah. That he comes with energy, velocity, like aggression, everything you want to see. And like, yeah, big, big standout for me so far on this defense. Um, in in the last three, like, what are we, week seven now? So I'd say about the last three weeks, mm. he's, just before the turn on the defense, he was the standout. Mm. He was the one who you were looking at, like, the Falcons, maybe. And mm. you're like, he stands out. The defense is shite, but Ryan Neal stands out positively. And then it's just grown as the defense has got better. And he's just that piece what will blend Together we spoke about it. We I spoke to on Twitter about it with a guy saying Kobe and Tariq's chemistry. You can them two are getting this bond together, and you can see Ryan Neal just joining them them two mm. because they've got he's got the energy, and yeah. then that will hopefully uplift Diggs because Diggs will get more confidence in the younger guys. And then it's is Michael Jackson the answer on the other corner spot? Personally, I don't think so. But like some people have said, he's serviceable. So. Yeah, it's exciting secondary, that one. Exciting secondary. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, so big shout out to the Rhino. Um, before we get to the community questions, quick little prediction from us. Can we win the NFC West now at four and three? Yeah. You think we can? I'm completely going against our our hot takes and our predictions <laughs> for the season because, let's face it, everyone... I don't think it was unless you were one of those die-hard. Oh, the Seahawks will win every game, people. Um, the the Seahawks have sh- they've surprised everyone in the league. Let's face it, mm-hmm. there there is no way anyone in this league. When actually, I think the Seahawks could be you know four and three by week seven, or by the end of week seven, and they could pull off some decent wins. Geno Smith could be playing like an MVP, comeback comeback player of the year candidate, and everything. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's possible. I think the 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 San Francisco 49ers, even though they just traded for Christian McCaffrey, they've still got Jimmy G as a quarterback and he's limited. Yeah. Um, the Rams have got a massive Super Bowl hangover, and the Cards yeah. are just the Cards. Yeah, flattered to deceive them lot. Um, Cliff Kingsbury's got to be gone by the end of the season. I think. Um, Pez, can we win the NFC West, mate? Yeah. We can. At this moment in time, do you know what I'm pissed about? That we have to face the Rams later in the year. Because if anything's going to happen with that Rams team, if they aren't just in the Super Bowl funk, is they're going to switch on later. And then we've got them pretty much... In, have we, we've got them both times in the back quarter. Yeah. Like, we're playing we're playing the Cardinals at the greatest possible point because the whole start of Kyler with D-Hop, mm-hmm. he kind of proved it this weekend. He's come back. Kyler's looked a bit like himself. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't missed a single beat. So 
but they're still exposable because they just turned into a slugfest. So to get them out of the way so quickly before they might get hot will play massively in our advantage, you know, for the tiebreaker and things. But definitely the shape of this uh, NFC at the moment will do them fucking dirty niners as well when we play them again. They're shite. Well, yes, I think we can win the NFC West as well. Um before we get to the community questions and then end with positive pez, Josh, do you want to shout out our longest standing sponsor? I certainly do. Blessed CBD still with us. Uh, big thank you to every one of our listeners uh, and watchers. If you're a YouTuber um, for ordering from blessed CBD, you're helping our pod. Um, unfortunately, it can't help with Pez's internet connection. That's just Preston yes. in the Northwest of England going down into a black hole. Um, well, yeah, blessedcbd.co.uk. If you have issues with um, one thing I've, I keep forgetting to mention, sleep. Sleep is a massive thing, and a lot of people have trouble sleeping due to general day-to-day anxieties and stresses. CBD at night before you sleep can help you massively. I had a massive trouble with waking up, checking on my daughter through anxiety, and I started taking CBD and got a solid eight hours sleep even with my other half poking me in the back for snoring so i might not be able to help you with snoring but sleeping it can um and as i said things like anxiety can help you with your physical recovery as well it's got such a plethora of of benefits all you need to do go to blessedcbd.co.uk search through any of their products and when you come to check out just use our code seahawk S-E-A-H-A-W-K at checkout. You'll get 10% off your order and you'll be helping out the pod massively. So again, thank you to everyone that's already been on there. You are helping out the pod. We will at some point be getting Pez an internet connection that isn't dial-up. But that's more down to Preston rather than Pez himself. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Um, Right, let's get to these community questions. Josh, do you want to start? I know you got one in from your brother, which is quite a good question. I did. I did. So shout out to uh, to Harry Stevens, um, good old Hazard. Um, he has said, how do you think we adapt our offense with the loss of DK? And this also leads in very well to another question we had from our friend of the pod, Cy Wachira, um, after an impressive two touchdown performance by Marquise Goodwin. Has he earned a place in the offense? I personally think that that question from Sai answers Harry's question. What are we going to do if DK goes down, then it becomes the Tyler Lockett and Marquis Goodwin show mm-hmm. um, with a third place for Eskridge, possibly if he can stop with the silly concentration lapses and dropping the ball when it's handed to him. Um, or we give it to one of our other receivers. Derek uh, Young is so a good option, I think. Yeah, he's Derek like Young DK is Metcalf, isn't he? So. DK clone. We said this before. Yeah. When you look at all the, the wide receivers that are there, they can all slot in for each other. Um, I think Derek Young's a fantastic option. Um, I'd love to see what he can do. I mean, we mm-hmm. said this. I think Pez said it on our Discord during the game. It, it'd just be good because then you can see... You've still got Tyler. You've still got Marquise as a three, um, third wide receiver. You just slot Derek Young in there straight away as as a light for light replacement as DK. See what he's got. He's going to draw some attention due to his size and his mm-hmm. his physical characteristics. And you've got all of our tight ends as well. I'm I'm not massively concerned about it just due to the no. way that Gino's been playing. He's not just been focusing on DK or Tyler. 
he's been spreading that ball about so much. So I think we'll adapt. I think Marquis Goodwin after that display has earned more time yeah. and more targets. Yeah. Um, it's just how Waldman's going to draw it up. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be the, the ball still going to be spread around. The wide receivers um, will be a big part. The tight ends will still be a massive part of our game. Mm-hmm. And the run game will help free all that up. What do you think, Pez? Is, is Derek Young the, the solution as if DK is out for a, a week or two or perhaps a bit longer? Um, I, I said it during the game, like a bit jokingly saying, Derek touchdown time. I could, I could, I could see the fact that he was getting snaps and he was out there running routes. I could see them using him as a decoy because he's got the speed, he's got the body of DK. I could see them using him as a bit of a deep threat decoy. Do you know a bit like a send him on DK's routes and make the defense. And then it's like it's, it's kind of like a win-win because you either make the defense respect him because of his speed, but then if they don't respect him, he's going to be wide open, or you're going to play. He's going to be playing a corner with like sloppy concentration. And Gino will both that. He's proved it with Goodwin this game. Like he won't be scared going to Derek Young, and he's got all like obviously quality-wise, we don't know, but he's got all the attributes to say. It could be a threat. It could be a real rabbit out of the hat kind of thing. Like, who's this guy? And then mm-hmm. it, a bit like, um, it reminds me a bit of the Paul Richardson-esque yeah. fella. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricardo Lockett, he could turn into that kind of player. Get Doesn't really get much noticed by the defence, but then still ends up burning them on goal balls and stuff like that. So, yeah, but I'm not even concerned about DK yet. Like, I saw uh, Ryan Neal came out and said, at halftime, DK is smiling. He's like, I'm fine. It just mm-hmm. didn't feel right. Um, what makes me believe it, because it's his patella tendon in it, so it made me believe that maybe it's just flared up, like a swollen. So yeah. Pure impact when playing on that field. Yeah. Mm. So, so far, so, it's a field of nightmares. So I reckon against the Giants, he will... He'll suit up. I reckon he'll suit up this week, but he, he won't. It'll be essentially like a, if the game looks like it's getting away from us, we'll put DK on because that kind of thing can essentially fuck a defence up, can't it? Mm. You think DK's there, he doesn't go there, and then you put him on halfway through a game when they're a bit tired, they're a bit more used to the wide receivers that got in front of him, and then he comes and just starts bodying people. I can't, I can't see him keeping him off the field too, quite honest. He said he wants to train. Mm. He wants to be training on Wednesday. Like, in his head, he's training Wednesday, but mm. <laughs> they're like, we're going to have to explain. In, in, in every sportsman's head, you can break your leg and be like, I'll be back next month. No, you want something. Yeah. Well, like, this is yeah, all a matter but... of, it's longevity as well. Like, if, if we think that we can go into next week without DK and still win, Pete might just go, I'm going to give you another week, mate. Like that that's the thing. It's the sportsman's mindset as opposed to the coach's coach's mindset. Because the coach's mindset is about winning that game with the team. And a sportsman's mindset is about playing in that game as an individual, but part of a team to help win. So yeah. the coach has always got the better viewpoint on it. And I understand DK is a massive competitor, so I can completely get on board with him going, I will train this week, I will play. But in the long run, the last thing you want to do is get him back at sixty percent 
for him then to play and injure himself again and go down to 30%, you'd rather him get all the way back up to 100 and then play and hopefully start lighting things up again. Yeah. Um, any more community questions in, boys? We did. Um, we had, again, friend of the show, Ledia Hamati. Thank you very much for, uh, for, for well, coming with so many good questions every single week. I'll paraphrase this. Um, but at what point should Seattle think about renewing Gino? He said, I know a lot of people say he's too old and he shouldn't. we shouldn't build around him, but he is younger than Russ and it fits great with what Seattle wants to do. His suggestions may be a three-year, 55 million with 30 million guaranteed. It still gives us room to draft someone else with the option of moving on from him without the big cap hit. But at least we don't have to take one first round. Do it James? now. Do it now. Sit down, sit down in the bye week. Get him signed. No, it, 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 it takes the pressure off in the draft. It allows you to be more open in the draft. And, and and he's earned it and, and you can now play if you want to lean on Gino we said it in this pod as well you want to lean on Gino for the next year two years three years whilst you develop a, a rookie that you'd maybe take this year or the following year whatever Gino's done enough this year to put it this way if we don't tie him down someone else will he's going to be a yeah. starter now in the NFL so we may as well have him here keep him here and, and do it now Gino want Gino will will sign that contract the minute it's, it's put, if it's right and everything, and if it's a respectful contract, Gino will put pen to paper as soon as we hand it to him. He'll be here. He wants to be here. He's earned this opportunity. So do it now. Don't let it rumble into the off season. Just, just, just get it sorted now. I mean, I think it's been addressed on other pods as well, where it's a matter of the, the quicker you get it done, the yeah. better it's going to be for us. Because yeah. the, the longer the season goes on, and if his performances carry on on this upward trajectory. Mm-hmm. He is going to be so expensive in the offseason. Imagine if he starts getting into the MVP conversation yep. or the don't call it a comeback player of the year mm-hmm. award, then it's going to get to the offseason and he's going to be commanding at least another 10 mil a year. Yep. Like you said, get it done now, get him locked in, draft someone, whether it's the first round, second round, depends how it falls, have them sit behind him for the length of Gino's contract. Even if the last year of Gino's contract, if he starts falling off halfway through the season, you can bring that rookie on who's learnt from Gino, learnt from the organisation, and then can start bringing us forward. I'm completely with you there, James. Pez, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think you can't... We don't have the luxury of letting him leave because mm. who, like, we don't know what Drew Locke is. Clearly, he isn't anything because then he he's not got a like got a like sniff on Gino really has he he's not closed the gap Gino's just blew him out of the water took it away so what do you do you let Gino walk and then roll with Drew um and then let a rookie quarterback play like learn behind Drew no really do you re-sign Gino and then sign Drew to a longer term deal let him sit behind Gino and learn more no, that was something I heard addressed earlier in a podcast, um, and I thought, um, uh, if you can get him on a backup um, contract, he he's he was highly drafted, he was highly touted. People wanted Drew Locke, but he's just been thrust straight into the limelight without anyone to learn behind. So maybe that opportunity to learn behind a veteran like Gino, who's been a backup for so long, could be beneficial. And it means we may not so have to. With, depends on who's available for us, doesn't it? With. With that, my personal feeling on it is 
just look at Russ now in Denver. Denver is like a graveyard for quarterbacks. They don't, these quarterbacks don't have time to develop in Denver because Denver are always that quarterback away from being the dynasty team for the mm-hmm. Patriots years. We're just the quarterback away from being the best team in the NFL. So, Drew, in my opinion, the reason why Drew, this, taking the sample what we've got now, I personally think the reason why Drew didn't get anywhere near, and obviously our opinions were different in the preseason, like a lot of people's were, because of our personal opinions on Gino, and we're all fucking wrong. But there's a reason he didn't beat Gino out, and I just think it's because his development has been so stunted by being in Denver and them just being like, no, you need to be ready to go now. And if you're not ready to go now, then you're just going to sit on the shit heap. And then until you fizzle out, burn out, and you either get lucky enough to get to another team and maybe show something. But all his years of, I think, coaching and development, you know, getting all these negatives out of his system have literally been burnt away because of being stuck in Denver for so long. So Mm. I personally would say, you're going to take a quarterback in the trade. That quarterback didn't turn out. The one we've always had has. So get rid of Drew. Get a rookie quarterback in. One of them project pieces like we spoke about, like um, Anthony Richardson, unrealistic. A team's just going to jump in and expect him to be the be-all or end-all straight away. But... There's a quarterback called Hall. I can't remember where he plays for. I can't remember his first name. I'm not really. I've just I've just seen him play a couple of times. I've seen him talk about on some of the college pages where he's got a lot of potential. He's a bit raw. You mm-hmm. get a guy like that in, get him to play behind Gino, who essentially is the ultimate professional. He's a team guy. He has all them things going for him, and you get him to learn under Gino. And you try and get Gino down now for a cheaper contract for a couple of years before he blows too far up. And then mm. you just can't resign him. And then you're in a bit of a no man's land with quarterback because it's like, we've got to roll with Drew Lock, whether we like it or not. And then we realise that Drew Lock's never changed since he's come out of college because of all the things I've mentioned. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting debate in terms of how long do we leave it until we resign Gino. Um, it'll, I, I, I will be following that one closely, whether it gets done in the next couple of weeks or whether they leave it to the off-season, we will see. Um, but thank you all very much for sending those questions. If we didn't get to yours, we do apologise. We will hope to get them uh, get to yours in, in following weeks, so please do keep sending them in. Um, right. <laughs> what, Pez? Sorry, one minute. Last minute question, and it's funny. Uh, Kev Cassidy, my biggest question of this season so far is what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I just thought I've got to read that out. He's coming it, at the last minute. Was it Kev or Kev? <laughs> Kev. Kev, I'm with you, mate. I haven't got a clue, so I don't have an answer for that, mate. Um, we're all in the same boat. None of us know what's happening. Um, positive pairs. Positive pairs. What are you positive positive about about this week? week? Nearly there, Josh. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Josh was late and sounded creepy as hell. I'm making sure all my windows and doors are locked tonight. In all fairness, fairness, my my throat is absolutely fucked. So I'm uh, I'm still recovering from my cold. (laughs) So I basically sound like someone's creepy old uncle trying to sing him a lullaby. 
You're welcome, listeners. Come on then, Pez, what are you positive Cause about, Kev, mate? Because Kev got in at the last minute, I'm going to um, free ball this is first bit. Um, well, three ball all of it every every week if the listeners don't so realize you sound that. Like prepare. We all know that's a lie. <laughs> I'm just getting better at it. <laughs> so, what the fuck is going on, Kev? It's greatness. That's what's going on. And it it kind of hurts my soul to say it because it means I'm kind of Pete Carroll. Kind of did he know what he was doing? So I don't know. But I think it's a greatness in this team overall by the end of the year. It might not be this year, but definitely there. But for the next week, on to here and now, for the next week, I'm like, it's like a broken record because I want to mention Ken all the time, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go, I'm going to go back, right? Don't worry, Jeff, I'm going to know. (laughs) You don't worry about me. So, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I did it with uh, Ken, and it worked out. So I'm gonna keep my Kobe one in. Daniel Jones loves, isn't scared of chucking that thing. And Kobe, what do I always say about him? He has a taste of it and only gets better. His pick's coming this week. His pick is coming this week, and I think this game is gonna be all about the running backs. It's gonna be Ken Walker versus Saquon Barkley. And they're both going to go off because we showed that we couldn't stop Austin Eckler. So Barkley will get exactly the same style of usage. But Ken is going to overall have the better game. I think he's going to out, outscore him in all statistical measurables. I think he's going to go again. No pressure. He's going to have another double. He's going to have another double. He's going to have another double touchdown week. And he's going to beat Saquon Barkley out to just put his put his little hat on the top coat hanger and go, now we'll notice me. Now we'll notice me. That's, that's it. Kobe's going to get an interception this week. It's going to happen this week because Daniel Jones is too free with the football. I think we're going to be aggressive again, get up, make Daniel Jones move off the spot get all that pressure like we have been doing. He's going to get typical Daniel Jones and start launching it all over the gaff. Kobe's going to get his first interception. I um, like it. Ken Walker's going to go up against Saquon and beat him in all statistical measurables and get two touchdowns while see that's it. And I'm going to chuck, because DK isn't going to play this week, right? Even though I think he is, but let's just say, like Josh said, there's some common sense there. We've got a few harder matchups where we're going to need a, deep, a fresh DK, not a 50% DK. So I'm going to say the standout wide receiver in this game is going to be Dorit Young. <laughs> it is prescription pairs again. He's back. But I was so close, yeah. guys. I said about said about the Eskridge in the backfield. It's just the fact that the kids, the the kids' brains two steps ahead of his body and couldn't catch the football because that would have been the start of something beautiful. If he caught that football and didn't fumble it and ran on the outside and then ran for like six yards, breaking tackles with his speed and everyone's like, 
oh, that's what we've got to do from now on. But now Pete's going to look at it and go, maybe we're not so fucking close with that. It pissed me off, idiot. But anyway, Derek Young, and I don't mean he's gonna. I don't mean he's gonna be like sensational. I don't. I'm not. I'm not seeing out yet. I just think. I mean, by he's gonna be the standout because he's gonna start getting more balls. Uh, he's gonna get more targets. He's gonna get more receptions. And because no one knows who he is, like I said, he's a like Paul Richardson and Ricardo Lockett. And how useful were they in them years? Sometimes okay. they were the standout receiver to go for, and you wouldn't really pick them. But that. I'm predicting DK. This is only if DK sits. If DK sits, Derek Young, just watch out. Okay, okay. As I, as every week, I hope everyone has got those lovely points from Pez noted down, and 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 of course, put money on it if you feel free. But you know, gamble at your own risk with, with positive Pez. Um, although he did get a Marquis Goodwin seven to one touchdown anytime score this week, which I'm he sure did. he's happy with. Yeah, um, I don't know how he pulled that one off, but fair play to you. Um, deep, deep I go for the mates, wild. Please. I got a go. No, but he was an accumulator. Do you know? I said in the Discord, um, they're like, "Oh, how much boys are an accumulator?" And do you know what? I'm so pissed because I got too overconfident with the big outsider. I thought, do you know what? I fancy Goodwin to start showing himself. It was Eskridge or Goodwin. They were both around the same price. I was like, just. And then I did. I thought, I reckon the Jets in their matchup. I reckon Barrios is going to turn all back. Did that Wilson target him a lot last year? Yeah, that went down straight away, didn't it? Fair play, George Pickens. George Pickens. I had him. Bloody Jets. Fair play to you, mate. Um, But as always, look, thank you to you two boys. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in, sent your questions in. As always, thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate you over here. Um, Yeah, man, this team... Keep on rolling, boys. Keep on rolling. Super Bowl, here we come. Um, tell you what, could it be five and three? Five and three this week against the Giants. Oh, my word. Um, we may well implode at some know, point. Do, do you know what, the, just a quick one you know, for the listeners to think, the Giants are the new Seahawks. Just, it, it could be a bit of a warning. It might not be, but then the new Seahawks, like the, the, I think most of the wins are coming one score games. And who does that remind you of? But is that something to be worried about? Or oh, because we're the OG of one score wins, are we going to show them how it's properly done? We're going to show them how it's properly done, Pez. Josh, any yes, final James. word, mate? Um, yeah. Uh, find us on all social media now. We have a Facebook group. Uh, we are on Instagram as We Talk Seahawks UK, although that will be soon be changed to We Talk Seahawks. Twitter is at We Talk Seahawks, and we've even got a TikTok as well because we are down with the kids. And again, that's We Talk Seahawks. Follow us, comment, like, feel free to DM us. We'll happily read out your questions, and we'll talk to you whenever we get the chance as well. Absolutely, and look out for the first We Talk to Twelves episode coming this Friday with Captain Seahawk. Um, I hope you all enjoy that one as well. Um, And yeah, man, go Hawks. Go Hawks.